0: Well, hello, everybody. This is Rachel Amade. You are listening to The Spiritual Exercises today. And today we're going to talk about this landmark decision that just came out of the Supreme Court. And it is landmark and unprecedented because um, we have been waiting 50 years for someone to properly interpret the Constitution regarding abortion. Um, The Constitution has been improperly It has been improperly used to protect this concept that you can kill an unborn child. This is found nowhere in the constitution and even Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Uh, had lots and lots of qualms about the legal foundation for the Roe v. Wade decision. And so we finally fixed that and done what the Constitution dictates, which is the 10th Amendment states that something like this should go back to the states. And so here's what, you know, a lot of people are saying this won't prevent one abortion. That might be correct. However, this is landmark and important I don't know if most Christians really understand that Sodom and Gomorrah was judged because one of the main reasons, because it had bad judges. Throughout scripture, unjust judgments are an abomination to the Lord. God loves good judges, people who uphold justice. These sorts of nations are honored. And so to have the highest court in our land come out and say that our highest legal ideology our highest uh documents our constitution does not protect a right to kill a child this is gigantic in the spiritual realm and that's why we're seeing such an amazing backlash against it right now but i want to talk about the history of abortion because frankly i'm just tired of the left trying to own this issue and um not really understanding just how awful the history is and why we even have abortion to this day in this country. If you don't know this history, it's gonna shock you. And when I first really got to dig into all of this and watch some documentaries that I will give you at the end of this podcast, guys, I cried, I bawled. Because you know, if you believe that God is forming a baby in the womb like the Bible tells us, you know already you're cutting off God's handiwork. But more than that, there is more wickedness to abortion in this country than just that. And we're going to dig into that here in a second. But first, I'd like to start with some Bible verses that I think are apropos. Number one is Ecclesiastes 11.5. It says, as you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. The truth is, even to this day, scientists do not understand how life occurs in a mother's womb. There are parts of the process. They just don't get why it works. They don't understand how it works. You know, they've measured a tiny amount of light, like a spark that takes place um, at the moment the egg and the semen are combined. There is this spark of life that actually takes place there. Um, There's all sorts of things that have been measured that are miraculous about this process, but there are parts of the process scientists still don't understand understand to this day. And that's what this verse is saying. It is the handiwork of God. The Bible tells us we are made in God's image. You know, I was talking to somebody about this issue online, and yeah, I discuss things with people on Facebook. I argue with people. You know, I'm out there because I'm curious what other people think, and I'm curious what other arguments are out there. I always want to have a good answer for every question. And so I don't have trouble arguing with people who have opposing views. And one person brought up this concept of Matthew in Matthew 22, where it says, Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, render unto God what is God's. And he was arguing for separation of. Of church and state there. Now, number one, uh, to be an educated person in this country, you really need to understand there is no separation of church and state in the Constitution. It's not there. Can't find it. Doesn't exist. So the people that are saying the Constitution protects separation of church and state, nope. This is a concept that is brought up outside of the Constitution, and it really never meant what liberals want it to mean. It did not mean that you cannot have ideas from the bible or god in public spaces that would actually be a limitation of our religious rights it simply meant that you cannot dictate a religion from the political powers okay so the the whole concept of separation of church and state is not what a lot of people use it for but i thought it was interesting someone tried to bring this up to fight for the idea of being pro-abortion from using the bible Which is really problematic. And I have to say, if you're an atheist and a liberal and you're trying to use scripture to defend your point, be careful that you've done your research because. Uh, I know a lot of Christians don't know how to argue this, but when you do come across one that does, it just makes you look like you don't know what you're talking about. So just be be very careful before you try to use the Bible to bash Christians with their ideas. Um, these ideas have been thought out, a lot of them. And yeah, I have a lot of critiques for the Christian church, but I do not critique them on fighting for life with everything in them because we serve a God of life. So Matthew 22, I actually think, is a great evidence for pro-life, and here's why. You know they're talking about money and jesus says hand me the coin and he looks on it and there's an image of caesar and he says render unto caesar what is caesar's render unto god what is god's jesus pretty much makes the claim here caesar's face is on this and so this belongs to caesar well if the bible tells us we're made in god's image isn't his face on us don't we belong to god doesn't that mean no one has the right to murder another human being? No one has the right to cut off God's own handiwork that he is making in his own image. It it actually works completely against the idea that um, abortion is okay. So there are lots of Bible verses that promote life. But well, in fact, the entire Bible, we know we serve a God of life. And we know that cultures that only uphold death and only create blood and bloodiness, after about 400 years, it seems like in the Bible, those cultures have to be done away with because they so defile not only human beings, but they end up defiling the land. They defile places. They defile things. And so God can't tolerate death cultures. And this is why I think this Supreme Court decision is so monumental. But let's get into, I'm going to give you just some touch points, and it's it's going to be a little bit frenzied and back and forth, and it's not very well organized today. But I wanted to just give you some touch points on the history of abortion in this country so that you can further understand just how deep the roots of evil are and why it is such an abomination to the Lord and how abortion really is genocide and really is probably the most racist thing that exists in our nation today. So at the this starts all the way back, guys, at the end of the Civil War, okay? there There were people who were so afraid when the slaves were freed, that there would be backlash against the culture and that they would be facing basically a war from black people in this country. And, you know, that's a great thought, to be honest, because the reality was that black people had been treated abhorrently here for a very long time, and there probably was a lot of anger and a lot of resentment. Um, But obviously, instead of trying to rectify that situation righteously, instead, they started coming up with a a, white elitist for the most part, starting coming up with all sorts of other ideas to deal with their hatred of black people. They were also afraid that the American economy would be bankrupted by this new population. Uh, They were worried they were going to be overrun. I mean, all the racist things that racist people think, they were thinking, okay? So the heavy racism was still profoundly affecting the decisions that many of the wealthy elite were making. The American Colonization Society was funded by Congress with the idea that slaves would just be sent back to their countries of origin, let's just get rid of them. So if they're not going to be our slaves, they can't live here, yikes. But this plan was eventually scrapped and replaced with something else. So along came a man named Francis Galton, and he is, in this country, the father of eugenics here. He believed in trying to increase the superior races and decrease what he considered to be the inferior races. Oddly enough, guys, Galton was a cousin of Charles Darwin. Now we're going to, I mean, we're going to get into it here and I want you, if you need to take some notes down and I'll direct you to the documentary. Um, that I got a lot of this information from. But also, if you look up this information, you're going to find a wealth and a treasure trove of documents and government involvement. And I mean, it just makes your stomach turn. It's so sickening. But eugenics and evolution are absolutely related. And this is also something the believer in this country needs to understand. Evolution was foundationally a very racist view when it started, okay? Those evolutionists saw the highest form of primate as almost indistinguishable from what they considered to be the lowest form of human, which in Darwin's mind was, of course, the African aborigine. Here's a quote from Darwin in 1890. At some future period, not very distant as measured by centuries, the civilized races of man will almost certainly exterminate and replace the savage races throughout the world. The break between man and his nearest allies will then be wider for it will intervene between man in a more civilized state and some ape as low as a baboon instead of as now between the Negro or Australian and the gorilla. This man was a racist, guys. Okay, Charles Darwin was a racist. Now listen to this. His original title of Origin of Species was called The Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection or The Preservation of Favored Races in the Struggle for Life. Of course... Later copies of The Origin of Species removed the complete title because they knew it would cause many to reject Darwin altogether, as it should have. I believe in microevolution. I see absolutely no scientific evidence for macroevolution. That is for another day, probably in my Answering Atheist series that I've started on, guys. Okay. Galton himself, the father of eugenics in this country rejected slavery only after slavery had ended when it was convenient and they started something new to carry out their racist plans because they could no longer do it you know kind of publicly as they had previously the eugenics movement was born in the united states at that time eventually moving to something they called negative eugenics the goal was to severely limit the number of Black children that Black families would have, thereby, over time, ending the Black community here in the United States. But they knew they could not promote their agenda openly. So instead, they used code words to fill people with fear of these children and fear of this community. They used terms like feeble-minded and unfit. And they just kind of generalized and generally characterized the black community in a negative light to promote their agenda. And these are like less inflammatory words, right? Than what was previously used when they were slaves, but it promoted an understanding in the community that they were discussing black people. And the white elitists who made up the eugenics movement assisted in helping many other white elitists to believe in carefully limiting the black population. Now enters Margaret Sanger. This is the founder of Planned Parenthood in this country, and pretty much uh, her and her eugenicist group begins the idea of abortion here. She was the founder of the American Birth Control League and became a driving force behind the eugenics movement. A quote from Sanger herself says this, we are paying for and even submitting to the dictates of an ever-increasing, unceasingly spawning class of human beings who should never have been born at all, that the wealth of individuals and of states is being diverted from the development and progress of human expression. Yikes, she's also a racist, clearly. Their claim was to attempt to rid society of the feeble-minded and criminal. Sanger's success was in improperly labeling the black population and the fear and code words were able to hide the real agenda of genocide of the black community. They brought up quality of life a lot. Poor people just didn't want to live. The poor, according to Sanger and the eugenicists did not have a reason to live. Their claim was to wipe the poor off the face of the earth. And of course they used the term poor, but they were really referencing the black community guys, they wanted to wipe these people out of our country. And their plan was to use abortion to do so. We're about to get to that, but listen to this. This sort of view in the 1930s obviously greatly aligned with none other than the Nazi views of things. The Nazis did not only target the Jews, they went after black people as well. Forced sterilization of adults and children alike were happening in Germany at this time. It is well documented that Hitler was greatly influenced by the American eugenicist movement specifically by one of the founders of eugenics here, Madison Grant. Dr. Clarence Campbell, who was the president of the American Eugenics Research Association, even praised what Hitler was doing in papers. Eugenics leaders were known to be a part of the KKK. There is extensive connection between eugenicists and the Nazi programs, assisting in developing racial programs for purity. So not only is the history of abortion in this country linked to racism, it is linked to the Nazis, Margaret Sanger was closely tied to these eugenics leaders. This idea of sterilization of the supposed unfit grew in usefulness to the eugenicists. However, after World War II, many Americans became uncomfortable with terms like eugenics and population control Uh, Hello, are we uncomfortable with the idea of population control enough yet to shut down the ideas of Bill Gates and others in the World Economic Forum and the Georgia Guidestones that state that they want to keep the population down and that, you know, human beings are cancer on the planet. These people hate humans. And Their ideas are the same ideas, right? They want population control. They want the death of many people because they have racist and elitist views. We still have this same problem happening today. And this is why I think these people are so rabidly for abortion and even killing children right up to the moment of birth. However, after after the World War II, people were uncomfortable with this idea, right? They were not pleased with what the Nazis had done. So the eugenics movement basically changed the name of the American Birth Control League to Planned Parenthood. A much more positive name. I mean, it includes planning and family. It's super sweet and nice, right? But this name change did not change the organization's agenda or the people who worked at these organizations. They were still racist and still had a eugenicist agenda. For the record, Planned Parenthood recently admitted that Margaret Sanger was indeed a racist eugenicist. They came out and admitted it. I think they realized too many people um, knew about it, but they also knew the timing. People wouldn't even notice, and a lot of people don't even care. And so those that want to kill the unborn simply didn't even care about the origins of abortion in the United States This basically tells me, tells us where we are morally as a culture, that that little statement, that admission of how abortion started in this country received almost no news whatsoever. Margaret Sanger gave a speech at a 1926 KKK event. She was more than just kind of a racist. She was a leader in the racist movement. Oddly enough, the Carnegie Corporation heavily funded the eugenics movement, and there are also monetary ties to the Rockefeller Foundation. Not surprising. Dr. Donald Minkler in 1972, Planned Parenthood Board of Directors, advocated for possible use of forced eugenics, possible mandatory birth control or sterilization, of course, for the Black population. Guys, this was happening in the 1970s. That was not that long ago. FYI, whenever you hear people talking about population control, um, please, please, please consider what this really means. You got to think of Nazis every time. Okay. If you look at the long history of eugenics and Planned Parenthood, you see time and again, a racist agenda of genocide. Here's a fun quote that could almost be inserted into the mouths of many who promote abortion today. It was by Oliver Wendell Holmes. He was a U.S. Supreme Court justice in 1927. Theodore Roosevelt had appointed Holmes, and Theodore Roosevelt held these opinions as well. He was a very racist, very racist president. The quote is this. It is better for all the world if instead of waiting to execute degenerate offspring for crime or to let them starve for their imbecility, society can prevent those who are manifestly unfit from continuing their kind. Three generations of imbeciles are enough. Okay, so the language there is incredibly racist and horrible, but isn't it kind of the same language pro-abortion activists use today? What about the poor? We can't have all these poor people having children. That is what they advocate. And it's wrong. Across the country, 30 states practiced sterilization of the poor or who they considered unfit. And by the way, these definitions were not very well kept. You know, people were getting sterilized all the time for all sorts of things. Of course, it was disproportionately black people they were sterilizing. By 1983, it is believed that at least 200,000 Americans were sterilized without patient knowledge or consent, or even sometimes it was against their will. Many of these sterilizations were coerced or forced with threats that people would lose their wealth fair if they or their children were not sterilized. In some cases, the sterilization happened to people as young as 10 years old. It's egregious. Both Hitler and the state eugenics boards in the U.S. used feeble-mindedness as a catch-all for sterilization. By the 1960s, the eugenics movement had been very successful with its sterilization programs, with requirements for sterilization for criminals or even just to receive welfare. However, something new was happening in the U.S., the birth control pill. While the pill was embraced by whites, it was pretty well rejected by blacks, despite the vast majority of Planned Parenthood facilities being located in black neighborhoods. At this time, the black community did not want to reduce their numbers, and plenty of black Americans were becoming suspicious about these population control tactics. In 1971, none other than Jesse Jackson said this, contraceptives will become a form of drug warfare against the helpless in this nation hugh carey new york congressman said this in 1966 there is a campaign to bombard the poor with pills and potions if this movement continues we soon may be the accused of fighting poverty by eliminating the poor and overcoming hunger by removing the hungry so these people were catching on to what the eugenics movement was doing dr leroy swift OBGYN, stated this birth control and sterilization in the wrong hands would be more deadly than all the tanks riot guns, cattle prods, billy clubs, and shackles we have overcome in the past. So around this time, the eugenics movement advocated to add birth control substances to the nation's water supply. <laughs> By the way, our water supply is filled with drugs, you guys. So they their idea kind of came to pass in a roundabout way, but they even suggested targeting urban neighborhoods. The government discussed this at a 1969 meeting of the UN. Under this plan, if a couple wanted to have a child, they could apply to do so and receive an antidote to the drugs put in their food and water. You guys, seriously, this stuff actually took place in this country. Still today, in my opinion, this is what is taking place. Anyone who has listened to some of the World Economic Forum meetings should be heavily concerned about what the so-called educated elite think about the rest of us. It's terrifying. Luckily, those particular plans were abandoned for their most successful plan of population control, the number one cause of death in the Black community today. Since 1973, legal abortion has killed more Black children than AIDS, cancer, diabetes, heart disease, and violent crime combined. Every week, more Blacks die of abortion than were killed in the entire Vietnam War. The largest chain of these abortion clinics is operated by Planned Parenthood. An African-American baby is five times more likely to be aborted than a white child. Abortion clinics kill more blacks in one week than the Klan killed in a hundred years. Tell me, this isn't a racist plot of genocide. Before abortion was legal, whites were doing the illegal abortions far more often than blacks. The second abortion was legalized in this country, this switched. Legal abortion, they knew, would wipe out the black community. Planned Parenthood needed that legalization. They had a feeling they'd be able to take over and get what they wanted if they legalized abortion. In 1974, a study was done on population control. The number one factor in finding a free or low-cost abortion facility in a community had nothing to do with the class of the neighborhood. It wasn't about poor people. It had everything to do with the race of the neighborhood. Its findings considered whether or not abortion was about assisting the poor or about controlling the black population. In the 1970s, from Jesse Jackson to the Black Panthers to the Nation of Islam, the Black community in this country spoke out against abortion, understanding its history and what abortion would do to the Black community here. They understood the attempts at genocide had just gotten far more sophisticated. These were truly the first pro-life groups in America. The first pro-life groups in America were Black groups. Some of these folks were bought off politically later, Jesse Jackson being one of them, but they originated understanding exactly what was going to happen to the black community with this. So, Guys, I want you guys, I I got a lot of this information and did some of the research on my own from a documentary called Mayafa 21. You can find this free online at mayafa 21com I I want you to look this up. I want you to watch this film. It's long, but it is very detailed. And it it tells you exactly the evil history of abortion in our country. There is nothing more heartbreaking at the moment to me At the moment, the greatest court in our land declared our constitution does not protect the racism of abortion. There is nothing more heartbreaking than seeing the ridiculous responses of so many believers on Facebook bemoaning this decision. You've missed it, believer. If you did not rejoice with the Lord that our highest court said, no, the highest laws in our land do not protect you if you want to kill your unborn child. If you do not think that God has sided with that and that the angels weren't rejoicing, you have missed it. And it's sad. Yes, the American church needs to step up now and take care of women and children and orphans even better. But you know, statistically, the data shows that it has been churches taking care of these people better than the secular culture the whole time. I I, I critique the church all the time. But for believers to come out and critique the church for fighting for life, you guys are on the wrong side of history. As God rejoiced over the righteous judgments in our country, people who call themselves gods mourned. It's sickening to me. This is totally absurd. How can you know the Lord and miss miss such a historic spiritual moment? And I'm angry about it because this is 50 years and 60 million babies that have died from abortion and the exportation of this evil globally. So now we have work to do as a church. We better prove that we really do understand the great gift that we've been given. If you're in a red state, fight for the right laws, ones that protect the mother's life, but that also encourage that light, that unborn to be able to live as well. If you're in a blue state, pray. Pray over that state and get get to work taking care even better of women who might be on the fence about keeping their child or not. These people need help. You know, we need to do this well. We are called to be the light and the truth. You know, two wrongs don't make a right. It was the racists who gave people the idea that you're too poor to have your baby. That's a racist idea. That's The founding of that idea was in racist ideology. No, that is not what Jesus says. And if you look at how God has used the underdog throughout all of history— you know for a fact God loves every life and he is no respecter of class. Just because he is forming a human life in a poor person, that is not less than or different than the human life that he is forming in a wealthy person. It's not a good enough excuse. And it is time for the church to step up there. Um, seriously, if you've never understood the satanic agenda of abortion until now, now is the time to take a new approach to life and what it means to truly recognize all life and to love it all and welcome it all. We have half the black population in this country because of abortion, half. I think that's a tragedy. I'm gonna tell you the racists don't. But those who have fought for life so hard understand how greatly ending abortion could affect the black community and how amazing it would be If we could expand the black community in this country, we welcome that because God is diverse and he has made diverse people and he loves us all. It is a blessing, every human life, every human being is made in the image of God. They belong to the Lord, not to the state. They don't even really belong to their parents. We're just caretakers, right? We're guardians. We're supposed to help raise them the way they're supposed to go, but life belongs to the Lord. And it's time to step up. And if you missed the opportunity to rejoice, or if your theology was wrong, or if this has affected how you perceive abortion, go back to the Lord and give him all the glory for giving our nation possible mercy, despite our wickedness in this regard. We are the most liberal country regarding abortion in the world, short of pretty much only China. Even Europe doesn't allow the type of abortions we allow in this country. We have been wicked. But we have this wonderful opportunity to turn this around. Guys, I hope this has been helpful. Please go look up May Alpha 21. Please do your own research. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out. I love y'all. I hope you have a great week.